You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Welcome to Beyond the Headlines. My name is Joyce Deriga. I'm editor of Chicago Catholic, and this is where we take a look at um, the people and this um, who are making the news that we're covering in the Chicago Catholic. And today, as my guest, I'm super excited that this is such a unique thing. So today we have um, conventional Franciscan Father Bob Cook, who's the pastor of Mary Mother of God Parish, and then we have Mark Franzen, who's the director of the new St. Gregory's Hall. Well, it's been up and running for a couple months. So what what is so neat about this? So they, so Father, I'll give a, like a brief 30-second mm-hmm. overview, and then you can get into the the deeper stuff. So the St. Thomas of Canterbury, St. Ida, and St. Gregory the Great unified under Renew My Church. And this is an example of a, a creative way that a parish is using kind of the resources that are, were left, right, um, in really using the church building. So they're going to use St. Thomas of Canterbury, which is an uptown, as their social justice outreach uh, center, ministry. St. Ida is going to be the main church, um, and then St. Gregory the Great is now, they're enhancing what was there before was an, with an arts program, a cultural program. It's becoming a cultural center for the neighborhood. It's so It's so neat. And it's all based on evangelization. And Father Bob, go ahead, tell us the because it's really you understand you articulate well. Excuse me, the whole vision of the the whole um, the centers, and we're specifically focusing on St. Gregory's Hall today. Thanks, Joyce. Yeah. So the you know the the facilities you know for a pastor are kind of like either a nightmare or tools of evangelization. You know, or sometimes both, right? And so, but that's how we had to kind of see it. And we said, we have these three churches in three really cool, but distinct neighborhoods, but they're contiguous. You can walk to, to all of them. Uh, mm-hmm. So how could we, um, how could we use them for the mission of the church? You know, St. Ida's the larger one. It's the most diverse. Uh, it has, it can house the most people. Um, and so that was kind of the parish church. And we saw the other two in the two different neighborhoods as um as kind of outreach uh, centers, uh, if you will, but while maintaining, you know, uh, the mass, because, you know, if we're not, if this isn't rooted in the Eucharist, why bother in a sense, right? I mean, it, you know, so that that was one of the things that we had to be very clear on, that in all three of these churches, the mass has to be offered regularly. Um, That's awesome. And so, uh, you know, as you mentioned, that we have a church in Uptown, which is a neighborhood that uh, is uh, is diverse. There's a great deal of poverty, homelessness, mental illness, uh, but also an influx of young adults coming in. A long history, there's a soup kitchen there, a food pantry, uh, refugee resettlement, Catholic Charities Office. And so that 
church is focused on those activities and building community around them with also, you know, masses and adoration of blessed sacrament is a way of making that connection uh, in the Eucharist, right? That the outreach uh, of the church is directly connected to the worship in the church and that they're different expressions of the same reality. In Andersonville, where St. Gregory the Great is, uh, it's, it's a different type of neighborhood. It's, it's um, more affluent, uh, but it's also um, very artistic. You know, it, it's, if you've ever seen Clark Street in that neighborhood, it's, it's kind of one, um, one independently owned business after another, bookstores. And I mean, right. it's, it's an amazing artistic neighborhood. And so, you know, how, how do we reach out to the neighbors there, you know? And so there had been a, a evangelization through the arts program at St. Gregory the Great, uh, historically, that when, when it came into the parish as part of the merger, uh, had, had ceased to exist, but there was a, a history of it. Um, and so we thought to create a Catholic cultural center there that kind of built on that tradition, but also expanded it uh, in different ways. Um, you know, one of, one of the things is, you know, I've said, before we're not trying to be a destination parish if you will uh, right. people are more than welcome to you know come you know and and we're we're you know we our reach is if you will outside the parish boundaries but our primary focus is is to uh, create disciples within or to assist the creation of disciples within the parish boundaries you know kind of because community uh needs place right that you have to claim your place uh that in the polarization we experience now and the alienation and also what happened during the pandemic where right. we just felt so separated to kind of create the best environment where people can uh, be in community with each other to be in communion with each other there has to be a place you know it has to be uh geographic and and uh, we're blessed because we have what parish boundaries right and so if we um really kind of start to look at that you know we're not trying to have Catholics from other parts of the city come to us. If they do, that's great. What we're trying to do is have people who are in our geographic area who do not have a relationship with the church or a, or a uh, minimal relationship with the church to find ways to uh, encounter with them, you know, uh, our neighbors. And uh, and that's, um, that's kind of the, the strategic plan, if you will. Well, and really that's what Renew My Church is about. Like the second, the phase that you're in now, the building the new reality is is going to those people in your communities and inviting them in, right? So you guys yes. are doing it and maybe not um, like the, I mean, I ju it's just a creative way. I just think it is so neat. And these, this, we've been covering, we're in my church, right? Since it, it started. And I'm, this is the part I've I'm excited for, but where parishes are getting creative with um, what's left, what's left, I shouldn't say what's left behind, but what they're what's they're now following Renew My Church. So um, I tell everybody about you guys, but you know, I also think it's uh, it is one of the awesome churches because you really are the true a true diverse church. I mean, how many different languages do people speak, and how many different countries are come to worship at Ida? Yeah, as best we can tell, there's 40 languages spoken in the parish. Um, That's incredible. You know, many people are trilingual, bilingual, but I mean, it, we have a mass in uh, Vietnamese slash Lao every Sunday. We have a Spanish mass every Sunday. Uh, we have a monthly mass, which is the uh, the Gez Rite for the uh, Eritrean Catholics. Uh, we have periodic uh, masses in uh, French, Kim Rwandan, Burmese, um, as priests are available. Um, 
And it's it, the, the cool thing about it, right, is, you know, we all want diversity, but when you when it's actually occurring naturally, you know what I mean? It, it's really a sight to behold. And it, it's a reflection of the neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's a very diverse neighborhood, but, um, but that this can be a place for them where they can kind of come together and work together. I mean, it, you know, it's nothing, it's not uncommon to have, uh, an event that is kind of responsive that's sponsored by the Cuban community and to have um, like uh, Rwandans and uh, and Filipinos and Vietnamese work in the food booth, you know, I mean, it's just, it's really a sight to behold. That's very cool. So Mark, why don't you talk about um, the kind of the plan? You guys have been doing stuff for a couple months now and maybe a year, I don't know, but um, what your plan is for St. Gregory, Gregory's Hall, what you've been doing. Sure, absolutely. Oh, so, and then we'll get into you. the artist in residence thing too. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I guess a, a good place to start would be the the piece that you wrote up on St. Gregory's Hall, which covered our uh, a special mass for the Feast of St. Gregory the Great, which we held here at St. Gregory for our patron. And that mass featured um, music under the direction of our composer in residence, Kevin Allen, who's a, a very... Uh, well-known and renowned composer of sacred music, as well as, you know, he's been a music director in Chicago for a long time, um, featuring uh, Gregorian chant and some of the more traditional forms of liturgical music. And so the idea here is to expose parishioners to uh, the beauty, the depth, and the history of our own Catholic heritage, right? So these are forms of uh, liturgical expression that we don't get a chance to hear very often. And when we do, it's often in a concert hall or in some other kind of performance venue. Um, here we are celebrating the mass together, our common worship, which is familiar. And we are hearing uh, the music that has informed the Catholic imagination for centuries. Um, and so as you see in the photos in our beautiful church, um, hearing this music uh, is really a way to experience the fullness of what our worship, our liturgy can be. Um, and so our composer in residence, Kevin Allen, will be directing a series of special masses and liturgies throughout the year, uh, kind of like a, almost like a, you know, a concert season um, that will highlight certain feasts as well as showcase different forms of sacred polyphony, Gregorian plain chant um, and things like that. So it's a way to sort of inspire pride <laughs> in the parish to hear this beautiful music being sung uh, in the context of their worship, as well as um, a way to attract and invite in people from outside to hear these things that they may not be able to hear or experience the church in a way that they may not be able to experience. Um, and so in addition to a composer in residence, we also have an artist in residence, Sarah Crow, who's a painter who uh, does sacred art commissions as well as contemporary work. Um, she teaches at the Art Institute of Chicago. And similarly, um, her role here will be to be a working artist uh, here at the parish with the studio, where she'll invite in people for courses or open studios. Um, as well as to lead tours of the churches and to explore the, the spirituality and theology behind the beautiful sacred art, the architecture, both at St. Gregory, but also at St. Ida and St. Thomas, 
and to have a kind of experience of the rich history of um, sacred art and architecture in one of the advantages to having three churches in one parish is that you get this, you know, great diversity and multiplicity um, in one place and it all sort of belongs to the parish. Um, in addition to the sacred music and sacred art, we're also um, have a program with a scholar in residence, Professor Scott Morangello, who's a wonderful teacher uh, in the Catholic Studies Department at DePaul. And he's teaching a course in the Church Fathers for us right now, which is also a, um, you know, a way to expose parishioners to uh, the, the history of the church, the great figures that they may hear about in the litanies and prayer, or maybe in their daily prayer, they may read excerpts from and really delve into their lives and how the great men and women of the church have formed our faith and helped to shape our faith and how they can inform us today. So those are the senses of tradition that um, St. Gregory's Hall is trying to promote and invoke and, and to do it in a way that makes it accessible and contribute to the daily spiritual life and community life of the parish. That's my very long-winded answer. No, it's. I mean, it's <laughs> so layered, so it's it's not easy to say in one sentence what St. Gregory's Hall, you know, is doing. Um, at one point, I want to talk about how gorgeous, I mean, you guys are lucky that you got some three really cool church buildings. We could talk about that, but um, why, this has always been something of interest to me, the, the role the arts play in um, evangelization. I mean, I know, I'm not one of the word, the, the word evangelization doesn't really capture what I'm saying. I think the essence of, I feel like you can encounter God in many ways through the arts, through the, whether it be like an intellectual tradition, the, you know, the, the tactile arts or the music or, and can you talk a little bit about that, Mark, like how you feel about that or, or in the sense of beauty that, um, relates to the faith and, our um, relationship with God. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. The um, so the three transcendentals of truth, uh, truth, beauty, and goodness are sort of woven into our faith and woven into the history of of the church. Um, uh, yeah, my inspiration is 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 kind of in the mold of a Bishop Barron who says, "Begin with the beautiful." If you're going to present the faith to those who are unfamiliar with it, and looking at the resources that you have. You have doctrine, moral teaching, um, but then you have this wonderful tradition that is still accessible both um, sort of physically to people, but also I think intellectually, spiritually to people of the Catholic imagination that is expressed in uh, the traditions of beauty, great art. You think of the Vatican, um, uh, you think of uh, the Sistine Chapel. It's something that someone with no religious background can still witness and be driven to tears right. <laughs> at its presence, just overwhelmed by um, the uh, human uh, encounter with the transcendent and the attempt to respond to it. And so there's a way in which the arts sort of express that human experience in a way that's unique and resonates in a way that's very different from, say, an argument, a social program, a political platform, something like that. And so um, so I'd say it persuades without um, without one feeling like they're giving something up. Um, and so to be invited in by the beauty, say, of the church, the beauty of the liturgy, 
the beauty of our traditions of sacred art is a way to engage culture um, uh, that that is more inviting, is more persuasive. And it's the beginning of a conversation, right? right. Evangelization has to be a kind of holistic transformation, both uh, for us as Catholics when we evangelize, but also in the people we are reaching. So, um, so I think beauty is the starting place, but it's an important starting place. And it's, um, it's really a, a starting place for us to, to re-catechize and evangelize the church herself. Those are already in the pews. I totally agree that, you know, I've always been, um, oh, yep, that's the music. We got to take a quick break. Uh, Well, um, this is Joyce DeRiga. I'm from the Chicago Catholic. This is Beyond the Headlines and don't go away. We'll be right back. Catholic Charities Refugee Resettlement Program has been especially busy this year, assisting individuals and families who have fled dangerous situations in their homeland, including Afghanistan and the Ukraine. The Refugee Resettlement Team helps with everything they need to start to rebuild their lives in a new country, including housing, employment, clothing, food, English classes, and referrals for legal and immigration services. The refugees are tremendously grateful for the compassion and practical help they're receiving, and they're giving back and helping each other plan for a brighter, safer future. Volunteer opportunities are currently available for those who would like to be family mentors and tutors so children and adults can practice English. To learn more about these rewarding opportunities, call 312-655-7096. That's 312-655-7096. I am a seminarian. The church needs compassionate and well-trained priests to help guide each of us through life. What inspires me, what draws me always to the priesthood is continue to see priests be a beacon of hope for other people. You can play a part in the education of these young men as they prepare for a life of service to others. I want to be that beacon of hope too, and it it sets my heart on fire. To support our seminarians, make your gift at archchicago.org slash seminarianfund or call 312-534-7959. Catholic Charities offers a wide variety of volunteer opportunities to those who want to share their time and help us serve people in need. Whether it's stocking the shelves of our food pantries, helping refugees learn the English language, tutoring school-aged children, becoming a mentor to young adults, sorting clothes in our clothing rooms, serving hot meals to those who are facing homelessness, or delivering meals and making cards to lift the spirits of our homebound seniors, we are deeply grateful to all those who want to join in our mission of mercy. 
Volunteer opportunities are updated weekly for people of all ages at ccofchicagovolunteer.com. Or just call us at 312-655-7053. That's 312-655-7053. Thank you for helping us follow Jesus' call to serve our neighbors in need. back. My name is Joyce DeRiga. I'm editor of the Chicago Catholic. This is Beyond the Headlines, where we take a closer look at the stories we're covering in the Chicago Catholic, which is a good time to plug the newspaper. You can, By the way, you can watch this podcast on YouTube, too. If you're listening to this on the radio, you can go to artchicago.org. On the top right-hand corner, there's a little YouTube button. Also, you can go to chicagocatholic.com and uh watch this podcast, but you can also see the stories that are in the latest issue, which, which right now is our story on St. Gregory's Hall, which is a new, unique outreach ministry of Mary, Mother of God Parish. We just, um, the next issue that comes out will be October 9th. We've got the Cardinal is writing, he's been doing a little series on the Eucharist that ties in with the Eucharist, National Eucharistic Revival that's going on. So we have part three of his commentary. We have um, Our Lady of the Angels Mission on the west side uh, renovated its old school, which was the site of the historic fire over 70 years ago that um, killed 92 kids and three nuns, and it's now a new outreach space for them. So there's lots going on. You can also subscribe to our newsletter, which is free, and you can follow us on social media, or you can sign up for a subscription. We publish about every two weeks, and it's $30 for a year, and that supports our ministry um, of sharing the good news with the people in the Archdiocese. So today we're talking about Mary Mother of God's Parish and St. Gregory's Hall and St. Thomas Canterbury, these new outreach uh, centers that they've um, put together, well, not put together, they were there, as um, that's come out of the Unification for Renew My Church. Before the break, we were talking about the the role art plays in um, our experience with God and our encounter with God. Father Bob, I would like to have uh, you to share your thoughts, because you and I have had talked about this a lot. You, I mean, goodness, I have like five or six, ten more books now because of people you've mentioned to me and, and different things. So can you share your thoughts on it? Yeah, so, you know, art, there's something, you know, in, in theology or spirituality that would be called a, a sacramental imagination, right? Uh, in that, you know, there's the seven sacraments, you know, but then there's sacramental. What Each sacrament is is kind of material that's infused with grace. So it's, it's kind of like a, like, like Jesus is a hypostatic union, you know, divine and human. So, so are the sacraments, uh, you know, bread and wine become the body of Christ, you know. Um, but, you know, other kind of material things can convey grace you know christ is not limited to his sacraments and art has always been understood as uh in that context just as you know people will say i i see a beautiful sunrise and i uh yeah. i experience the lord in that and that's true i mean because that's a sacramental moment um and so art you know anything that appeals to the senses music uh literature i mean you know we uh 
we, uh, Joyce, you and I share a love of several uh, similar authors, you know, who Absolutely, really yes. are artistic. I mean, I think, of course, Flannery O'Connor. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, she was Percy. amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know. And I mean, that, that's, and, and of course, uh, Flannery wrote extensively on kind of sacramental imagination uh, in her letters and essays. Right. Uh, and so it's just, it's yet another way that the Lord is, is seeking to engage us, to encounter us, you know. Uh, and, you know, and part of, you know, Room at Church, they, one of the ways they say that we should engage uh, the modern person is to what they call soft entry points, right? Mm, and right. a lot of that is just kind of small group sharing, things like that. But, you know, art, beauty, uh, that, that is the ultimate soft entry point. I mean, everyone is drawn to beauty. I mean, we have these incredible churches and we have, con you know, uh, we, so people like to come in and we have tours and concerts and things. And I know people who would profess to be atheists who are walking to these churches and are just taken aback, you know, and that's that moment where Christ has entered into their life, whether or not they realize it, but they're disarmed by the beauty. And then maybe in that moment, you know, they can start to hear uh, in a different way. Uh, two things. One before we, my one. So I've always thought this, I've told you this, Father, I think. Um, fascinating by like, if you look, if you ask Elvis, what was his favorite um, album? It was the gospel album that he did, you know. And Johnny Cash was the same way. And um, there's a big band, I forget his name, his composer, um, African-American, super popular. But he wrote a, se a series of masses. They performed them here in Chicago not long ago. So I've always been drawn by that, you know, that they're God, I think for artists, God, they know it's not, it's something that's been given to them, right? That it's something that's, inspired by a higher power and so they feel compelled to use it so i feel like it's yeah it's, it's a nice soft entry point for that too which goes into you guys are kind of blessed with some really pretty like aesthetically and some historically um significant churches i don't know which one of you want to talk about it or both but the the church tours is a good idea i mean even if people don't come there for mass or whatever i would encourage you if you're listening to go to one of these church tours because the churches are so neat so, well obviously saint gregory's is the most beautiful one father wouldn't you agree but i'm bummed yeah uh, it's it's like having three children right they're, they're all beautiful in their own way yes But yeah, there's uh, there's a uh, I mean in the architecture there's an enormous uh, diversity. Uh, St. Thomas is a is a, a neo-colonial uh, building that was uh, that was commissioned by Cardinal Mundelein, essentially to blend in and, and resemble a civic building or a school. So uh, its facade, if you walked past it, would not necessarily jump out as being a Catholic church. That's very true. And then you walk. You walk like a half mile down the road to St. Ida, which was built 10 years later, and it's um, this French neo-Gothic, uh, you know, kind of ma masterpiece uh, uh, that that projects a very different sort of um, a, di a different sort of attitude toward, you know, the Catholic identity of the community, which is uh, much more confidently Catholic, European, um, what have you. So St. Gregory's is, is kind of similar. It's Norman Gothic. And um, it has a lot of unique features, including a lot of the woodwork. Um, and so from the outside, it's definitely more modest, um, but it really is, uh, I think, the, 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 um, uh, when it was, when it was uh, uh, 
finished, the quote was a, a uh, medieval gem in a modern setting. And so there, there's, um, there's a lot to learn about both how the church understands herself and, um, and what the different uh, kind of images of the beautiful and the experience of the worship of God are in the three churches. And it's really, it is very um, edifying and enriching to go through and experience those things. And then, and then obviously the shrines and the different devotions that are represented there are um, uh, representative of the diversity of the parish. Um, yeah. So it's, it's it's really stunning in the back of St. Thomas, um, the different shrines to uh, martyrs across different nations in Asia, as well as England and Wales, and seeing all those groups together as Christian martyrs who were persecuted for the faith in very disparate ages and very disparate circumstances, but representing really the same witness. Um, that's a very, that's a very powerful thing to experience and to realize that this is what is speaking to and resonating with the faithful in this community. That's super cool. I can't believe it, but we, Brian just sent me a, a note that or we one minute left. I can't believe it went so fast. So, um, Father Bob Cook and Mark Franzen, thank you so much. And um, Mark, real fast, give us the website for St. Gregory's Hall. Sure. So it's stgregoryhall.org, S-T-G-R-E-G-O-R-Y-H-A-L-L.org. Super. And I would encourage people to check it out. And again, one more plug shamelessly for the Chicago Catholic. Go to chicagocatholic.com. And check out the latest news going on in the Archdiocese. Subscribe. It supports our ministry. Follow us on social media. And um, that's about it. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Joyce Deriga, editor of Chicago Catholic. And have a gentle and joy-filled day. Bye-bye.